Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. We are going to continue on from where we left off last week. We looked at 1 John 1 8, and uh, we talked about deceiving ourselves, was the, the key there. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And today we want to get to the solution to that problem. If, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, we have the contrary position to the previous verse, where instead of claiming that we are without sin, we ought to confess our sins. Amen? I want you to notice that I said we ought to confess. Not everybody does. <laughs> okay? But you ought to. The verse consists of three main parts. So we're going to look at it in these three sections. The first is the condition, if we confess our sins. The second is the assurance that He is faithful and just. And the third is the fulfillment. He will forgive us our sins. And cleanse, or actually it says purify us from all unrighteousness. It's a very powerful word and we'll, we'll look at that when we get to it. So let's begin first of all with the condition. That is if we confess our sins. Now the literal text says that this is a continual action. And actually reads, now see this works with verse 7. If we keep confessing or literally acknowledging our sins. Showing us that authentic Christian living involves honest and ongoing acknowledgement of one's sins. Amen? Which then goes back to what we looked at in 1 John 1.7 where the Apostle John said, and remember from the literal text, it said, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, by willingly admitting our faults immediately. That's how we stay in the light. That's how we walk in the light. Amen? You can't walk in the light hiding things. Amen? And then that's why He went on to say that we will continue to have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, continually cleanses us from all sin. So you can see how these two verses tie together. Now, I taught before, so if you've got some of my old stuff, I'm teaching something different here now. <clears throat> I taught once before that 1 John 1.7 talked about unknown sins, and 1 John 1.9 talked about known sins, and that's not the truth. The truth is that there's no difference in these two verses. They're just being expressed in different ways. You have to admit your sin. You have to confess. You have to acknowledge them in order to, to be forgiven of them. Do you understand? And obviously, if you do anything wrong that you don't know about, it's, it's under the blood. Besides that, God will let you know. <laughs> you know, He'll tap you on the shoulder and go, oh, by the way. Uh -huh. yeah, and, and sometimes we don't realize some of the things that we do. Have you noticed? You know, we, we unwittingly do some things and then we realize later and go, oh, did I, is that what I did? You know, and then we feel really bad and then we want to apologize to the person and everything else. Hello. And that's a good thing, okay? Uh, especially if, if somebody's been hurt by something. Now, one thing you don't do, and be careful about this. You know, I used to hate you. You did what? <laughs> you know, but I now love you. And now, now this person's got a problem. Why'd you hate me? <laughs> okay? You know what I'm trying to say? There are some things that we might have on the inside of us that we have problems that we got over. We don't need to go announce to the world we got over something that they didn't know that was a problem. Do you all get that? Okay, just, just, just keeping it real here, alright? Okay. <laughs> so, let's get back to this. John MacArthur explains that the term confess 
means to say the same thing about sin as God does. To acknowledge His perspective about sin. Boy, that opens up a huge can of worms. Because today, a lot of things in society is, oh, no, 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 that's okay. You know, we try to be religiously correct and socially correct and all the other corrects and we're sinning. And we need to be careful. And then we wonder why things aren't working out for us. See, you can't decide (laughs) that something is okay when God says it's not. And because you decided it was okay, He should keep blessing you. Because you decided. Did you get what I just said? It is something we really need to be careful about. We need to find out what is sin. We need to go to the Word and we need to be careful who we're looking to get permission from to say it's okay. Because even in the Old Testament, God comes against some of His prophets and He calls them false prophets that get up there and preach that it's okay to do all of these things. Because God's all forgiving and it's okay and you can get away with anything that you want. Are you with me? And so it says what happens is the people think that it's okay and their life ends up in ruins. And then they blame God for it. Because after all, isn't God in charge of everything? Do you see how this works? Listen, sweetheart. He's only in charge of what you allow Him to be in charge of and while you are in agreement with Him. You all get that? I, now, I, <laughs> I am not going to mention the things that are going on right now in society. But I think you can imagine, if it isn't right, and we are walking with that, then it is going to have consequences in our life. Amen? And I'll move on. Okay. <laughs> so now you can see why it is such a big deal that we confess or acknowledge something that is sin. Because, see, that's... The whole thing is that's the first step to restoration. See, until you get to the place where you agree with God, there's no restoration available. Are you all here? Alright, so further than this, uh, in his commentary, I. Howard Marshall explains that to confess sins is not merely to admit that we are sinners, but to lay them before God and to seek forgiveness. So let me talk to you about that for a minute. It's a heart attitude. It isn't something that you do in your head. It is you bringing your heart to God and saying, God, I've got a problem. Are you all here? Now, we have a lot of problems in our minds, but you know, if your heart is right, even if you have a, listen to me now, even if you have a problem in your head, but your heart is right, God will help and work through that. It's not a big problem there. The problem is when your heart gets involved in it. Because it says, if you believe, remember Mark eleven twenty three. if you believe with your heart, mountains will begin to move. But if you doubt with your heart or you have strife in your heart, mountains are going to stay. <laughs> okay? But it doesn't talk about your head. Your head is about renewing. Alright? The Apostle Paul talks about that. And a renewed mind will, it will result in a transformed life. Amen? It will take your life from being conformed to this world to being transformed to another world. Hallelujah. Okay? Do you remember Jesus said we are in this world but not of this world? 
But that's a whole other sermon. Anyway, getting back to this, okay? I just want you to know that your heart is what's important in all of this. And can I just say this time, this is one of those things that you really need to, excuse the pun, but you really need to take to heart. Okay? It's one of those messages that if you don't do this from your heart, me teaching this to you isn't enough. You need to receive it in your heart, and from your heart, you need to go to God. And you need to be honest about things. And you know what? That when you told God that you're having a problem in your heart for giving someone or, or, or dealing with a certain situation, isn't the first time that he heard about it. <laughs> okay? It's just the first time you acknowledged it. He knew right from the first moment that you went, bless God, and dot, dot, dot. I'm not going to, you know, yeah, yeah, he heard that part. <laughs> okay? Now, from that point on, he's waiting for you to get back on track. Amen. Some people take 20 years. Some, two minutes. Maybe less. Can I suggest be the two-minute one? Okay? Just have your fit if you want. But, you know, when you finish, let's say, sorry, Lord. <laughs> can, can we get an amen? I know there are some things in life that really irk you. I, I get that. But you can't let it stay there. Don't ever let it linger on. Amen? You let go of it. You find a way to let go. And let go. In the name of Jesus. I'm not telling you. That's how you do it. <laughs> okay? Alright. Because sometimes you need that. Now, I want to get to a quote that is just incredible. Simon J. Kistemarker says, actually there's the one after this as well. Um, he says, we must openly and honestly face sin without hiding it or finding excuses for it. Can I repeat that please? We must openly and honestly face sin without hiding it or finding excuses for it. We need to be open and honest about things in our life. Sometimes we justify it, you know, even to our partner. Be careful. Because a lot of times your partner, generally speaking, will take your, take your side. Do you hear me? Just because they take your side and just because they say, you know what, you had, you had every right to be angry or you had every right to do this. As wonderful as that is, you need to come to the place where you say, thank you, but I was still wrong. Do you hear me? You still need to say, God, I am sorry. Do you understand that when you do that, whatever damage had been caused because of that situation, now will be cleansed and restored. There are a lot of people walking around today that feel that they are justified in whatever attitude that they have, whatever position that they've taken, that they're not going to move from it. And while they are thinking that way, they are, you know, their life is being eroded away. Their blessings are being eroded away. A little bit here, a little bit there. Because it, it damages both your life and your blessings. Do you all know that? And you need to understand, it's not worth it, man. Just let go of it. You let God know what the situation is. You say, God, you need to do something about this. I'm letting go. Amen? See, He can handle that stuff. You're not designed to handle that stuff. You're designed to walk in peace. You're designed to walk in love. You are designed to walk in joy. Isn't that beautiful? That's your design. To be happy. 
Amen. And be at peace. And you know what? You make the best decisions when you're at peace. Amen. Anyway. All right. He goes on to say, still quoting Kesemaka here. He says, we must also confront the sins we have committed without defending or justifying ourselves. In fact, William MacDonald so powerfully asserts, we must, listen to this, drag them out into the open before God, call them by their names, take sides with God against them, and forsake them. (laughs) Okay? He says, yes, true confession involves forsaking sins. Amen. You know, we so... Don't we forsake everything else other than sin? You know, when sin is the thing we need to forsake. In Psalm 28 and verse 13, it says, He who covers or conceals his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. I'm reading from the New King James. Okay, do you, do you understand? If you cover your sin, if you make excuses for it, you will not prosper. This is where a lot of the problems, I think, in the body of Christ is. You know, we love to portray us as being all perfect and pure and honest. And, who me? I'd never do that. You know, that'll work on all of us, but it doesn't work on God. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Amen? You need to understand something that... We need to get to the place where we understand whatever we are hiding is actually destroying us. Get it? This is one of those messages that you really need to catch from your heart. Okay, you need to get a revelation on this. Because until we get this revelation, a lot of times we are asking why aren't things working out in our life better than they are. Now it could be a faith problem. Okay, I'll just be honest with you. All right. It may be a faith problem. You might not have developed your faith to the right degree. And, and don't, you know, kick yourself over that. Just keep listening to the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Isn't it interesting that usually sin comes by seeing and faith comes by hearing? Have you noticed that? The devil uses your eyes to entice you. God uses his word to encourage you. Amen. Sometimes we need to just close our eyes and open up our ears. So notice again, it says, He who covers or conceals his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Now, when it comes to confession of sin, it can be either private or public. All right? First, uh, either way, whether it's private or public, first to God, and then to man, depending on... Here's a rule of thumb, okay? If you... Um, cause the problem to someone publicly, then you need to apologize publicly. If it just happened in your head, leave it there. <laughs> okay? Are you all with me? Okay? Are you getting this? Alright, let's get to Psalm 32. We're going to see an example of a private confession of sin, then we're going to look at a, a, two public confessions. And I want you to see in this the detriment and effects of holding on to sin. It says, David is writing here, and he says in Psalm 32, beginning in verse 3, and I'll read through to verse 5. He says, when I refused to confess my sin. Notice he refused to do it. 
Okay, so this is for everyone that had refused to do this at one time in your life. This is no, you probably know how this feels. He says, when I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable. <laughs> and I groaned all day long. That doesn't sound like a good life, does it? Do you see the effect it has on you? He says, the day, uh, excuse me, verse 4, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Now, that doesn't mean that God was going around killing his cats and dogs and everything else, okay? That's not what this is talking about. Now, people will start preaching that stuff, but that's not what it's talking about. Now, listen to me. Sin does have consequences. When David sinned with Bathsheba, he lost that child. It had consequences, but, you know, the the next kid they had, because he had confessed his sin, was the one that wrote Proverbs. Amen? Amen? That's, that's King Solomon. Anyway, so we need to understand that, you know, God is forgiving. There's nothing that you can do that you will not be forgiven for. Do you know that? But you can't play games with God either. You know, you can't have one of those, I'll sin now and ask for forgiveness later and you'll be alright. You need to be careful with that stuff. Okay, because it can get dangerous, because after a while, you won't mean it. Anyway. Moving on, verse 4. It says, Day and night again, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Verse 5. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I'm reading, excuse me, I'm reading from the New Living Translation because it's so much easier. He says, I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Isn't that beautiful? Listen, one of the greatest things that you carry, one of the most difficult things that you have to manage and you carry around is guilt when you've done something wrong. I don't care how much you um, convince yourself that you had a right to whatever, there'll always be a guilt. You did something that wasn't right. Whether you enticed into it, whether you, you started it, I don't care. All right, one way or the other, Wrong is wrong. Amen? And so that's the reason why you need to, once you ask God to forgive you, that guilt will lift. And can I say this? You can't move mountains with a heart full of guilt. Are you getting this? So all of this is teaching you how to clear your heart. How to get rid of anything that gets in the way of you beginning to walk a life that is victorious, that is overcoming, that Satan actually absolutely has no defense against. Get it? Okay. As to public confessions of sin, we have um, an instance recorded in Matthew chapter 3, verse, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him, that's John the Baptist, and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. So that was something again that now, they weren't just confessing it to him, they were confessing it to God. John didn't need to hear about their sins. <laughs> okay? But it is, uh, it is something that you need to do before God. And that cleansing will come. And also in James 5 and verse 16, and this is, this is apt to us, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Isn't that fantastic? That is the first step to healing as well. Get it? Second, let's go on to the assurance that He is faithful and just. So once we get over this hump, okay, A, of <laughs> figuring out that that is a sin, call sin a sin, without trying to hide it, getting it out of your life, then comes 
the assurance. Once you do that, then it says here that he is faithful and just. Let's talk about two words, faithful and just. Simon J. Kissmaker writes, God is faithful respect, with respect to his promises. In Deuteronomy 32.4, it says that he is a faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. Therefore, he does not rebuke us. He does not become impatient. And he does not go back on his word. The only condition God requires for forgiveness is that we confess our sins. That's it. That's all He requires of us. If we do something wrong, acknowledge it. Confess it. Get it out. Isn't it wonderful that the moment that you confess it, the moment that you acknowledge it, you're done with it. Now, you may have the memory of it that you have to deal with and maybe some of the consequences of it, but as far as God is concerned, there is an open channel now between Him and you. And whatever He needs to do to get you through it, He can now get in there and do it. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? See, this is one of the, the, the greatest revelations that you can get, is that, you know, don't keep the person that has all the solutions out of the picture when you need him the most. Amen? When, when you mess up, like I said, he knew when the moment you did. So get him involved in it straight away to clean it up. Are you all here? And he will just get involved immediately and he'll give you the wisdom in the next step you need to take and everything else from there on. Praise God. Are you all with me? See, this is where the power lies. And this is the reason why we do this. It's not, you know, so that we beat ourselves over the head. It's not that at all. It's so that we, we can access God's power, God's wisdom, and God himself. To come in and, and get us through this and, and help us in ways that we couldn't even imagine to ask. See, that's the other problem we have. A lot of times, you know, we think, well, how, what good is that going to do? Try it. <laughs> You'll be surprised at what all comes your way. And how some of the things that you thought, you, could, you know, there's no way you can manage it. God has gone ahead and done something miraculous. And you get there, you don't even have to do anything about it. I have experienced that in so many different ways. Anyway, <clears throat> so he does not become impatient. He does not, he does not go back on his word. Again, the only condition is that we confess our sins. Now in Hebrews 8.12, it actually says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins, and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Do you see that this is in Hebrews, not in the Old Testament? You all know Hebrews is in the New Testament. That's for us. Amen? A lot of people quote Jeremiah, but it's in the Old Testament. They say, well, that was for the Israelites. Well, this is for us. Somebody say amen. Alright, in his commentary, I have Marshall writes, The faithfulness of God lies in his adherence to his promises that he will forgive his people. It says in Micah 7.18, Who is a God like thee, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgressions? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. The justice lies in the inherent rightness of the act. If the conditions are fulfilled, listen, he's telling you why God is just. If the conditions are full, God will fulfilled, God would be wrong to withhold forgiveness. Get it? 
Alright, his forgiveness is not therefore an act of mercy which stands in opposition to his justice, for his mercy and justice are ultimately one. And you know why? Because it says he's going to he's going to give us a reason why. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, when we get to that, we will deal with this. He says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In other words, because Jesus paid the price for our sin, the moment that we ask for forgiveness. It's ours, based on what he did, not because we deserve it. Get it? And so it is unjust for God to not forgive us when we ask forgiveness, because what he looks at is not you, and that you're going to do it again. And this is the 64,355th time. (laughs) Okay? Okay? Because if he looked at that, forget it, you're not getting, no, okay? (laughs) No, (laughs) whenever you ask forgiveness, his eyes go off you and onto the cross. Hear me. And so he looks at that and says, do I forgive? Absolutely. That's why the, the devil has no defense against this. He comes to you with this, but can I, I'm giving you a revelation today. Can you please get a hold of this? He comes to you and says, Oh, God's not going to forgive you because, I mean, how many times have you done this now? Do you ever mean it? When you say, sorry, I mean, do you really? Okay, this is where his fight is. From now on, I want you to get this. If that ever comes up, you say, Wait a minute, I got taught something. <laughs> okay? This isn't about me, devil. This is about what Jesus did. And then say, uh, actually, let me remind you of your sin. You've crucified an innocent man. So I get forgiven of mine. Thank you very much, by the way. <laughs> okay? You see this? Are you getting this? You see, this is what it means by he's faithful and he's just. God is faithful to keep his promise. That if you ask for forgiveness, He will forgive you. And also God is obliged by justice that says the price was paid. This is forgiven. Doesn't matter what you did. The price was more than enough. Amen? And we need to get that, understand it. And that's the reason why we confess our sin. So that we can enter into His mercy and all of the promises, and all the blessings that go with that. Do you understand that opens a door for everything to come into your life? Why? Because Jesus died. And because there is forgiveness every single time. Amen? Amen. Alright. Three minutes. Alright. I will finish today on time. Um, We'll take this up next week if we need to, because I don't want to rush through this, especially when we get to the last part. So, are you getting something out of this? If you get this, then it's important that we get this and and don't give you too much either. Alright. In other words, if we acknowledge and confess our sins, God's justice demands that we be forgiven. Amen? And since the price was paid in full, then all the benefits we also receive will be full and complete. Do you understand? Let me just, let's deal with this for a moment and, and conclude here. Jesus said, I have, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. He does that by leading you into sin a lot of times and causing calamity to come into your life. 
And the Bible tells you that. It says that if you walk that wrong path, things will go wrong. Okay? And you know, can I just say this? You say, yeah, but there's forgiveness. Why go there, bud? <laughs> you know? Why put yourself in bad situations constantly and having to be... Get- These are the people that say, you know, life is hard. No, you're making it hard, dude. Now, yeah, okay, <laughs> let me say this. We are in a fallen world. Don't get me wrong. Boy, you can, you can see that, can't you? Can you see that God isn't in control? This is a fallen world. Okay? God gave us control. We're still getting there with that. (laughs) There will be a time when God will be back in control and boy will know it. Amen. Or when he's back in control, I tell you, man, (laughs) things will be dealt with immediately. I'm doing a series on the life of Christ and, you know, when we get to the part where Armageddon and all that stuff happens and then we have a new earth and a new heaven and all that, you'll see all what all he'll do. For all of us that are doing the right thing, and notice I said us, Okay, uh, we'll enjoy that time. But for all of those people that are doing the wrong thing, that, that have wanted to make your life miserable, they won't be happy. Because he won't let them get away with anything. Are you all here? Amen. Looking forward to that time? So am I. All right. Okay. And we've run out of time. 